Hey guys, welcome to another episode with Cup of Nurses. We'll skip our beautiful intro. Why? I like our intro. You like our intro? Yeah. I would like for you guys to take some time to review the show. Give us a five star. We really appreciate you guys. We have not been spending any money on marketing in the past couple months and because we've been working on so many little projects that are coming very, very soon in less than three weeks. I'll put a deadline in right now. A month. A month, for plus, sure. Plus or, plus or minus two weeks. It's been a roller coaster of a month in the past couple months with everything. And even what just happened where we're going to share the story, you know, whole Arizona thing. It's been a, It's been wild. But thank you guys for listening to us. What I was saying is we've been getting a lot of downloads. We've been noticing people are actually listening to us. We appreciate that. And we will not disappoint. And we're going to just keep on rocking with you guys. How you doing, freaking Peter? I'm doing good. And just you guys don't forget, our anti-study guide is technically finished. But we haven't put it out there for you guys yet. But if you guys want early access, if you're taking your NCLEX soon and you want to have some content to look over, as like self supplementation to your questions, you know, just hit us up, let us know, and we can probably send you. Send us an email. Yeah, send us an email or just message one of us or even the couple of nurses Instagram and we will just send you a copy and you could cash app us or something. Cash or, app or snap cash. Yeah, whatever whatever the kids are doing nowadays. And then also Patreon, it's still in the works. Still working on that. It's just it's a whole learning curve, you know, one one thing at a time. So we gotta figure out how to run everything together. And then a plus thing I do in Twitch as well. We are. Maybe even some game streaming. Maybe it wouldn't be bad. Some COD in these troubled times of COVID. Peter, I just realized that me and you are both on vacation literally for two months. We could totally do a gaming stream. Yeah, we can. And guys, this is the first time we've been together in like seven months. I thought it was four, but the Mac correct me, it was seven months. Yeah, I've been traveling nursing for, yeah, seven months. It's, it's wild, been, It's dude. been a while. I have not been traveling nursing for seven months. I've been staff nursing. Which, which is just as good. Yeah. You had your time here. You were... And that's what I love about staff nursing is you have that, those cool-ass people. Yeah. And, like, I miss – actually, the last contract I did work at, I did have such a cool connection with people that I I felt like I was at home where, mm-hmm. hey, I know these three people working. It's going to be a good shift. We can mess around. We were doing some goofy shit, doing broad jumps and all this kind of cool shit. So um, I do miss that, and I had that a little bit. So it's nice that you have that. Yeah, it's cool because we started incorporating, like, a little fitness – um, like a fitness minute or probably what's maybe 10 minutes or whatever, but we would do air squats and then the boys would do, do push-ups after that. And then we tried to do pull-ups, but the pull-ups that we did were just holding onto the door. Oh man, and that's rough. And we would do, just do it that way, just, just the door by itself. And cause there was no room. Cause even if, even if you brought, try to bring a pull bar, there's no way you could install the pull bar cause we we're trying to figure that out. But the way our doors are shaped and uh, like the length of them and it's the way they're positioned, there's no way you could fit a pull-up bar in there. So now we thought about putting in between the, in the patient's room, like in between the glass sliding doors, that wouldn't have worked either. So we just did um, air squats and uh, push-ups, which wasn't bad. I think that's all we did, air squats and push-ups. So those people that say that night shift nurses are lazy and they just sit and eat, no, we don't, man. We work out. We stay fit, too. We do some pull-ups. Yeah, we have to, man, especially because this whole COVID shutdown. Like, here in Illinois, gyms are starting to – this might be good for COVID episode, but, like, I was looking at the stats days ago, and Texas surpassed Illinois with COVID really? cases. Yeah. So it's wild. So I think Illinois is like fifth or sixth, and then Texas is now like fourth or fifth. Well, it's like Arizona, right? We we went there. We went to Walmart because we had an Airbnb. We were shopping, and you didn't even have to have a mask to come in. People mm-hmm. were just walking without a mask. It was, yeah, it's it was wild, interesting. Dude. Yeah, it's in, yeah. Same way in Florida was people still wore masks in Florida, but I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit in a COVID episode. But 
Like, these past two months, I probably vacation more these past two months than I have. Because usually I take, like, a vacation a year for the most part. But, like, looking back at my schedule and how I plan my days, I like to work a lot of days in a row and have, like, five days off, six days off. I always thought, like, for a vacation, you have to be gone for a week. Now I'm starting to realize, like, four or five vacation days is completely enough. And I feel like I'm going to take, like, more vacations in the future, like, during those those stretches, if I'm a staff nurse. Obviously, if I'm doing travel nursing, that might be a little different. Or actually, even if we're travel nursing, we get lucky and have a good scheduler that'll get our days together. We could take, like, a little road trip somewhere or just fly somewhere for those four or five days. Because especially now, with COVID, everything's closed anyway, so you can only do a certain amount of things. And what's cool with travel nursing is if you want to take a vacation every contract, in between you can. You could take two weeks off to yourself, go somewhere, settle back in wherever you want to, and just begin your contract again. I'm actually curious on not working as a nurse for two months, how it's going to be going back into it. And you're technically on the same boat because Peter... We we got to talk about this. Yeah, Pe- Peter basically Peter got into a shitty accident, which we'll talk about. And yeah, it fucking sucked. He's on medical leave for how much? Till August third, dude. So that's like a little bit over a month, like a month and two weeks almost. Wow, month and a week or whatever it is. But yes, yeah, all month. Which is wild, dude. I basically went from like being active, doing a bunch of shit a day, to um, barely being able to fucking move, which is which is pretty wild. But it's a change of pace, man. Because you were a very active yeah. person, and now you're you you take for granted getting up because your hips hurt or something you know mm-hmm. it's like damn that just that's just mother nature just smacking you in the face right now and it just i'm sure you feel very humbled about everything and yeah uh, now my biggest takeaway from this is probably gonna be patience i've never been in a situation where like i like i have no control over this because it's just my body healing it's not like a muscle where i could train it not it's not like a bicep where Hey, I don't like my bicep work. Let me do some curls and get them bigger. I don't like you. You can control that, but like healing and just like the recovery process has nothing to do with you being active. It's just you giving your body just the time to heal itself. And like you can't really do anything to make it faster. Like I can't, you know, heal my skin. I can't heal my muscles quicker because there's no way besides like rest and recovery. And that's like the one thing I, I really lack was like rest and recovery uh, before this accident happened. And I definitely not a patient because I'm not I'm not a patient individual at all. Like, I'm not patient. Like, I'm the least patient person in the world. And, it's, and you know how people say sometimes things happen for a reason and this yeah. is what it teaches you. Maybe that's what it is. And, like, life does have duality all the time, right? Yeah. There can't be cold without hot and there vice versa with everything in life, right? Yeah, that's yeah. why there's a sun and then there's the moon, right? There's always the duality. Mm. And this is, like, this lesson in duality. Yeah. Like, even when I had to take a page to the bathroom and they were, like, because, you know, everyone's considered a high file rest, so you can't leave the... You can't leave the area until they're done. So it's like taking a shit. I'm just like, you know, like anxious and like, you know, I want to go move on to some other patient. I got other stuff to do. But yeah, I got to stay with them in the bathroom just, just so, you know, I watch it so they don't fall. But yeah, for, for you guys. Go, I'm going to go Indian style here. Go for it, man. For you, so for you guys that don't know, I was in a UTV accident where I got, my head got crushed. And I basically had to get a bowel resection because did a CT and basically showed necrotic bowel and my mesenteries were severed. So I had to get a emerging bowel resection on vacation. The last days of vacation I spent in the hospital. It was, it was a trip. We yeah. went, Peter went to three different hospitals in a 24 hour period. Yeah. And it's interesting cause we should get to it, man. Cause we're already like a few minutes in, yeah. um, long story short, we decided to go UTVing just like you said. Um, what we were doing, we we're doing some donuts. We weren't doing anything smart at no. freaking all, man. And the guy said, hey, the people before you were doing donuts and the UTV tip, so don't do donuts because you're going to tip. 
And I feel like Peter was asking for it because he had that little smirk on his face when he was asking the guy. So, like, what happens if you flip it? Or did anybody flip it before? <laughs> like, just that smirk. And I just seen, like, Conrad, too. Just that energy, man. It's like something was brewing. Something. And, yeah, we did a donut. Or flipped. Got crushed. I mean, it was. It's interesting because, like, what my friends say is, like, people seeing things in action. How, like, something of a scenario happens like that. And I was never in such a scenario. Mm. But I had to kind of, like, use that critical thinking and, like, Oh my God, this is a life. What do I do? And it's like, man, we just flipped the UTV. Peter got out and he wasn't unconscious. He was just in freaking gruesome amount of pain. Yeah, the adrenaline was, was rushing. So the pain was probably worse later on than at, at that exact moment. Like the shock was basically keeping me immune to the pain. But yeah, dude, but like when I got out of there, I was like on my, my all fours and like, like I couldn't move my legs, which probably was the scariest thing in the world. And then slowly I gained, like I regained a connection between my my nerves and my muscles and I was able to get up, but, but that was wild. Like if it was maybe like two inches, like lower, it probably would have crushed my pelvis. I probably would have been in like the, the pelvic cast or whatever. That, yeah. that would have been bad. And if it was like three or four inches higher, like it was my ribs. So imagine me getting a pneumo. If I got a pneumo, we, we didn't I get to the hospital until, or to the ER to like half an hour. I might've fucking died. You know, you might've had to find a pen and puncture another, pen, another yeah. hole. Not even pen, but pen puncture another hole for the air to come out. You know, imagine, what if you, what if you, what if you had to do that to me? Like, I like, knew like you I, had a like pneumo? Like, I had a fracture rib, and that caused me to have a pneumo, so you had to take a pen, take out the ink in the inside, and jab it in between the intercostals, intercostal spaces, just to get the air out. Wouldn't I'm, that be a fucking story, dude? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think what I could use to make a hole in your chest wall like that. Yeah, the pen. That's it. The pen, yeah. The pen, the, yeah. There was a pen to stab you, yeah. or... I would literally take a can that we had in the UTV and I would make it like a spear Sharp, out of yeah. it. And I would honestly have to stab you in your freaking side <laughs> of the chest. That would have been fucking wild, dude. Wow. So yeah, so out of all that shit that happened, like that, I was lucky that it landed in that way. Even though this whole procedure sucked, like I'm still recovering from it. They took out 40 centimeters of small intestines and just a tad of my large intestines. Um, then I have to get a call and ask me, thank God for yeah. that. But And what also happened, like, just to kind of bring the, like the scenery back is like, I thought Peter had to get airlifted at one point, but that when I heard you scream after it fell, that is the best, it's, it's the most gruesome sound I've heard, but also it's a sound that's like, oh my God, he's breathing and he's alive. Mm-hmm. Because like, imagine if you just got split in half, bro. Like fucking wild. Yeah, that's like out of a movie. I mean, this felt like a movie and too. And lucky it was on sand too. Yeah. Because I feel like they push me into, like, I feel like if it was on cement or like some kind of a flatter shift or rocks, I feel like my spine could have been severed too. Yeah. But then it was, it was sand. I think the sand kind of cushioned it for the could, most part. The landing but, for your spine. Yeah, but it was, dude, it was scary. Like, like the drive with the ATV back to the, the Jeep and shit, like my legs and my like, brain were not communicating. And that was, I thought I was end up in a fucking wheelchair. What's interesting is our buddy was the next one to drive. And I'm like, Kami, do you want to drive? He's like, no, you drive. I'm like, sweet. But it was like, it was pitch black because we, we, we were out in the desert to, to watch the sunset. Mm-hmm. And we decided to drive home and the accident happened. It was dark and there was too much sand in my eye, So I had to put on gla- dark glasses, drive oh, in the shit. dark. Like that was the craziest moment of my life there, man. And then every couple minutes i'm checking up on peter i'm like peter you okay it's like yeah i'm like sweet and just flooring <laughs> it and we, we had to like you didn't get to the hospital for like over an hour really because we had to drive 30 minutes we had to load up the utv on the oh, jeep yeah. i could we couldn't like, well, like loading it i didn't know what to do with myself i was in so much pain 
like so much discomfort to add in a bunch of fucking sit stand like everything was just bad wow fucking horrible and like I, I couldn't figure out how to like strap this damn UTV so that took forever asked a stranger and luckily the the guy gave us two safety harnesses because the UTV could have fell out of the freaking um, trailer damn. the hinge yeah um, and it was kind of crazy because so I finally drive Peter to the ER and I can't pull up to the emergency room doors because I have a giant trailer in the back oh, and, yeah, and I don't know how to drive one. This was my first time driving a Jeep with a freaking like a trailer and a uh-huh. UTV in the back. Like I was it was kind of nerve wracking. So what I did is I I pulled over on the street, ran to the to the emergency room I'm like, hey, guys, my friend just got like I was mumbling. Uh-huh. And like she's like, what happened? And I'm like, oh, shit, I think I just mumbled everything. Uh-huh. And I'm like, my friend got into an accident. I need a wheelchair. And they're like, just pull up. I'm like, I can't pull up. I have a UTV. So I run down the street with this damn wheelchair. We load up Peter. And it's like, I'm just like running uh-huh. up the street to the hospital with you. Like, I was, That's so probably a funny scene to watch. Yeah. That's wild, dude. Yeah. And what's crazy is we talk about COVID. And I kind of tell my buddy, hey, go with Peter just in case. And they kick him out and yeah. because of COVID. So... What's shitty is, you know, we hear about patients not be, being able to see their family members. And during this whole accident, I could even go see you in the emergency room. Like, I could have, you know, took a couple of days off and stayed with you. And it's like, bam, no And the phones were down that Monday or Tuesday, right? So, like, there's no communication between, like, my parents or anybody because the phones were down. Which is probably... T-Mobile had scared. that outage. Yeah. And, like, the first ER that, that we got to, like, they treated me fine. They gave me 100 of Fent and 3 of Morphine. And then they did a... IV contrast, um, CT of my bowels, and they didn't find anything. And then actually, I talked to my doctor today, and I asked him why did they find anything. He's like, that was the information that information was starting to happen, and you probably had a leaky bowels, but it was not enough to catch it on the, on CT the I, I, yeah. So if they if I would have done like a swallow contrast, then it would have shown more. Okay. But the IV one would which would show less. Even my um, my friend that's a doctor that came to visit me, um, she said the same thing that that um, IV contrast isn't, isn't the best to see your bowel. That's why when you go, when you do a bowel prep, we swallow it instead of, you know, getting yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, but, yeah, so they didn't find anything. So they sent me home on, on what, like, ibuprofen, 600 ibuprofen, and, yeah, and the proxen, and then a flexible, which didn't, I mean, the flexible kind of numbed me for a little bit, but then I won't probably just took five, and pain didn't want to go away, and I woke up mad at, like, 4.30 in the morning or something like that, or, like, 6 or something. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, how can you send somebody, and if you're potentially bleeding, you shouldn't be giving people ibuprofen. Yeah. And if they gave you 100 mics of fentanyl, like, I put people to sleep on that shit, and they're Dude. intubated, right? And they gave it to Peter, and they told them to go home. Like, they should have, like, at least put you on observation. Yeah. And, like, the whole night, yeah, you were just in pain, screaming, like, I, we, we had to, like, carry you inside the home. Your legs were literally not oh, working. Yeah, they were, yeah. If I remember that, that Nats come back and yeah, you and kind of carried me, carried me inside. And my, really, la- my lactic was high too, like over four, and then my anion gap was high too. So that's just sitting on something. But yeah, because like yeah. now that you now that you say that, if there's a lactic in the ER that's four and above, they go into the ICU. They can't even go to med surge. So why did they discharge you with a lactic of four? No idea, dude. They probably just thought probably dehydration. Wasn't Maybe yeah, probably dehydration and I don't fucking know, dude. I mean, we had a, we had like white claw like at some point during during the day, but yeah. I, I think my alcohol 
I'm not sure what my alcohol level was, to be honest. It was actually but less than 10. So even though you drank, uh, there was no um, blood alcohol level in your body. You? No, I checked your oh, records. Because oh. remember, I, I had your records. I remember because I was looking through everything. Okay. Your glucose was like 200 something. So that just kind of shows you guys that like, you know, when you're in fight or flight, your adrenaline glands are just pushing them epinephrine and glucose mm-hmm. to stay, keep you alive. Yeah. Technically, it's yeah, nuts. So yeah, your glucose, that's insane, yeah. So yeah, so the first ER sent me home, and then the pain was so unbearable in the morning that I woke up, man, I'm like, man, we gotta go to the ER, because this is, this is not, it, it wasn't like, it was a different kind of pain, and it was even worse, so I'm like, something's fucking going on, dude. Yeah, so we went to, I don't know if I should say names on the podcast, the we hospital. Can. I'm not sure what, uh, what the second one was, do you remember the name of it? Yes, it was, because um, I looked it up, I'm like, in Google, I'm like, hospital, and I, t- oh. I want you... I took you to the closest, closest ER, which was six minutes away. It was mm-hmm. like St. Tempe's Luke's Hospital. Mm-hmm. And I put Peter in a wheelchair. We go into the ER, and that was like the worst experience ever. Dude, like horrible. We, di- we didn't see a nurse for probably over 15 to 20 minutes. We mm-hmm. were dealing with um, a like shift so- change or there wasn't enough staff or, or something. And we were even the system going. We were dealing with a security guard and like a tech yeah, that like was just trying guard, to admission us. Right, a security guard came to help help the staff before I even got it taken to to the back. Yep. Just wild. Up. So yeah. So I was there in so much pain. I'm like, I tell him something's wrong. Like I'm like we both said we're nurses. Like this is supposed to be happening. And then I finally take me in after I stand up and vomit on the ground and on Matt's Matt's shoes. Yep. That's when they're like, oh shit, something's going on. That's when they finally had a nurse come come take me. And she was giving us attitude, too. She, like, honestly, I put Peter's on vomit bag on the floor so I could help hold the door. And she's like, you're spilling that. So? Like, that's not important right now. Mm. Someone's going to clean and clean up the floor. Like, we're dealing with a life here, you know? Yeah. So she was an asshole. The whole the whole ER thing was just bad. Dude, yeah. And even when she was taking me to, like, this, like the room, she was just, like, like the expression on her face, whatever she was saying, I, I couldn't really, I forgot what the fuck she was saying. But, like, all attitude and all, like, like mean and in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, just fucking wait, dude. Just wait until you see the results because I'm not I'm not just some fucking kid just in severe pain for no reason, you know. And once, like, this, the results came back, she was like, oh, shit, you know. At, everyone's attitude changed because they knew that they couldn't do anything for me and they knew it was bad. Especially, like, you came in with, like, a show. Mm-hmm. And you know how, like, because, like, it was change of shift. So me and I was, like, screaming to this guy. I'm like, I don't care if it's change of shift. Somebody get, like, he's in pain. Like, and you and you had to get up from the wheelchair and started throwing up. Yeah, no. And then, then the ER nurse came in. I'm like, look, what, look how they're treating us. They're not letting us in. Look, he's vomiting. Then finally someone came and opened. You had to vomit in the ER till somebody came to see us. That's and messed it hurt up. hurt so bad. It hurt so bad to vomit, too. Yeah. But then, see, that... Yeah, I don't know how much pain medication they, they, they gave me then, but I know a nurse tried to get an IV on me. She missed one vein, got the other one, and she got a second one in my, in my other arm. But but, but yeah, then they told me like that it was like kind of inconclusive. They're not sure what's going on with my intestines. They see something, but they're not sure what it is, and they can't help me here, so they're going to need to take no you somewhere way. else. So then I'm like, in my head, I'm like thinking, I, I, I think I'm going to ride to a hospital. I'm like, can my friend drive me there? Because I don't want to pay for the ambulance ride for, with the insurance. And they're like, um, I mean, he, he can, but then we're not liable if you go hypotensive and we're not going to give you any pain medication because we can't give you any pain medication. You've got to pull your IVs and everything. I'm like, all right, well, just, just take me because yeah. the pain was so bad. If they gave you the supplies, I totally could have took you and I could have just troubleshooted you on the way. But <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. Then the ambulance came, got me on a stretcher, loaded me up into ambulance, and they've snowed me pretty, pretty good on the ambulance. Cause I don't remember most of the ambulance ride. What was going through your mind like during all this shit? Because like this is kind of like scary when like basically you're like 
something's happening to me. I'm in a lot of pain. And they're taking me somewhere because this hospital can't figure it out. Like, that's crazy, man. So the pain was so overwhelming to where I couldn't really think of, like, a lot. Even when they gave me the drugs, like, it kind of snowed my mind. But through my head, it was just, like, pain, 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 pain. And then, like, intermittently, it was, like, me thinking about bowels. Me thinking about, like, it's in my... It's, in my head, I was thinking about, I thought I had, like, a single bowel or a crowded bowel. I felt like someone's dying in me. Damn. That's, that's how I felt. And then the pain just was continuous, nonstop. And finally, I mean, they, when, once they gave pain medication, it was, like, bearable. So, like, throughout this whole ordeal, my pain was, like, well above 10. Probably the most pain I've ever been in my life. If people tell me to compare my pain, it'll be 10. My new 10 is a bowel resection. You know, a bowel, it's going to be bowel, bowel resection pain is 10. So, you're going to have some pain tolerance yeah. right now. So, yeah. Um, worst pain ever. But then it finally got me to the other hospital, Hunter Health in uh, Scottsdale. They were pretty good. Um, they got me there. did another... I stayed there, I think, like a night, I feel like. Because my surgery was the 16th, and I got there the 15th. So I was stayed there, like, overnight for observation. Um, I think they made me somewhere to, like, a step down or even an ICU because I heard them talking about it. I had a hard time calling you, too, to figuring yeah. out where they're... Like, there was no communication with the T-Mobile outage, so I had mm. to kind of call the, um, the hospital and, like, talk to somebody to locate you. Mm. And you remember, it's so hard to pronouncing your name. Like, what's the name? P-I-O-T-R. <laughs> okay, yeah, man, that's him. 26-year-old male. Yeah. It was wild, yeah, and I got there. And then I, like, did another CT with, with contrast, another IV one, and it was, like, they're not sure what's going on. So they're, like... We see something going on. We're not sure what it is. Uh, there's some bleeding. But we're not sure how bad it is. So we're going to do a laparotomy. And um, what's called laparotomy? The laparoscopic procedure where they check, take a little camera on one end and then the little robotic arm on the other end to see what's going on. And then, But they're like, hey, when we do that, we find something, we're not going to waste time because we've got to stitch you either way. We're just going to open you up and operate. If we find something that we need to operate on. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, can you tell me the risks? They're like, yeah. You know, as a procedure, you know, you can have a reaction to the, the anesthesia, things like that. You know, um, we're not sure what's going to happen post-op. We're not sure what's going on in there. But we think it's something with your testing, so you might come out with a colonostomy or some kind of ostomy that, that could be one of the situations that, that, that you endure. We're not sure how much of a bottle we're going to remove. Um, you know, like, is it okay we continue with this procedure? I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, what do I got to think about? Do I got a choice? They're like, you know, not really. So I'm like, all right, sign three papers, blood, consent, and then another one. Um, and then they're like, all right, well, here's some oxygen. Take out my nasal cannula. I'm like thinking, I'm like, nasal cannula, take out my oxygen. They put the mask over me, the, the nitric, and I was out. Damn. And then, after, then that's all I remember. And then I woke up. I woke up being wheeled down with no, no, with no ET tube. So I don't remember the ET tube being pulled. Actually, so I have like maybe a few, like three seconds of the ET tube being pulled. But I remember. Interesting. Do you have like a flashback? But I don't... It, it doesn't come back with any kind of pain or anything. I can't tell you if, I, if it hurt or not. But I don't remember being intubated, and I only had, like, three or five seconds of being extubated. Because I had to be somewhat with it for it to be extubated, right? And then, yeah, once I could talk, like, the first thing I asked is, did I code twice? So I literally thought I died, and they all laughed, like, no, you, you didn't code. The surgery went well. And it took me up to the ICU um, with a PCA pump. So I had a PCA pump for one, one day and one night. Um... I was in ICU post-op for one, one, one day, one night, and then they transferred down to the sixth floor, which is like their stroke floor, which is pretty cool because I had my, my own room, and it was like a bigger room because they had some other floors devoted to COVID or, or whatnot or 
the floor I was supposed to go on didn't have any rooms, so I basically went to the sixth floor with the rehab trophy, which is not bad at all. And yeah, that was that was rough because like post op day number three four. Um, well, before that, so also when I woke up, I knew that I had a chance of having a diastomy. So did like four deep breaths, looked down, lifted my gun up, saw a giant dressing, didn't, didn't see an ostomy, so that was like a big relief. Thank God, man. that was like my biggest fear. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to come out with a colostomy. It's going to suck. But, you know, shout out to people that have one because that's, that's like, it's hard. It's a yeah, hard to deal with. It's life changing. You got, you got to, yeah, you got to go through a lot of, mm-hmm. um, how, do, how would you even say it? Um, self-image, yeah. self-esteem of the image, mm-hmm. of your own image to like go to, go to the beach with an ostomy bag. You know, yeah. that, that takes a lot of, a lot of power, man. So, yeah, shout out to those people. Yeah, yeah respect for you guys. Yeah, if you guys haven't asked me, I mean, it would be pretty cool to learn how, like, you take care of yourself and how you got past it. Because I know some people are born with it, but not everyone's born with it. Yeah. So, if any of you guys listening haven't asked me, like, like it would be cool if you guys shared how your experience with, with it was. But, yeah, but thank God I didn't wake up with, with an ostomy. Um, so, yeah, so post-op day number three, number four. I also came out with a JP drain. Um, post-op day three or four, this my bowels are starting to, you know, get back. Normal, so they started me on a full, on a clear liquid, and then after that, post day number four or five, I'm getting these days mixed up, but then after the clear liquid, I had a full liquid, um, and then after that, my bowels became hypotensive or not, sorry, hypoactive, and sometimes sometimes the nurse couldn't even hear them. So what I did was stop all the pain medication. So I was getting uh, tramadol and and Tylenol, basically what I was getting. Because those don't impact your intestine, but um, no oxys, no IV pushes of any kind of medi- medication, no morphine, no nothing. Because I was not going to go through that whole ordeal there's, again. There's no need. And for those that are listening really quick that are wondering why pain medication, so your intestines kind of work by peristalsis and it naturally moves things like a wave of oceans, right, and pushes things forward. Well, when you take opioids, it slows that down. And some people get constipated. Some people develop ileos, not ileostomies, um, ili- ileuses from the lack of peristalsis. So Peter's bowel is already slow because he just had a bowel surgery. So he needs, basically, basically, if you want to leave the hospital right now, Peter, you got to basically have some bowel sounds. They will not let you go, right? And pain meds slowed him down. So he had to just basically suck it up, no pain meds, and get through the pain, right? Yeah, that was a, that was a mission I have to I'd rather go through the, the pain that I felt for two days straight than go through all the whole post-op that I had. Damn. Because from like post, so like a solid five days in the hospital, I didn't have any kind of pain medication. I had a walk, not to mention the, the scrotal edema that I had, dude. Three pole balls, Jesus Christ. I was, <laughs> I was sleeping reverse Trendelenburgs at that, at that point, or Trendelenburgs. Reverse Trendelenburg, right? Because reverse Trendelenburgs feet up. Yeah. Yeah. Just And I had the whole towel wrap underneath because goddamn, dude, I was... I was kind of cracking a joke at Peter. I'm like, Peter, did you, did you roll up the towel underneath your scrotum or did you tell the nurse? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I, I did it myself. The nurse was too cute to do that, to that for me. But yeah, dude, it was, so yeah. So like, then I got my JP drain taken out maybe like post-op day four. Um, started walking, probably post-op. As soon as I got a piece PCA pump, so post-op day two, I started walking. I was walking before I even was, was eating. Yeah, they, they made me get up quick and it wasn't bad. Um, it just hurt. Just pain, yeah. It just, just hurt. And you I, still have pain. Yeah, I still have a lot of pain for the most part, but that disconnect was, was getting a little better. Like, I was able to, like, move everything. It's just, once I, once I, everything started healing, I was able to move a little bit better each day. Not a lot better, but just a tiny bit better each day. That's when I kind of knew it wasn't a spinal injury. It was more of, like, a bruising, like a, like a soreness, muscular, bone kind of pain. 
and now it gets better every, every day too. So I'm not really too concerned about it, but I could always get an MRI down the road if, if I feel like, hey, you know, yeah. if, if still there's someone's like not up to point as how it was. Or even prior to that, just go see a pr- chiropractor, you know, yeah. have them crack your back and realign you, might mm-hmm. feel better. Yeah, first all, these bowels heal because if I get my back right now, I'll probably shit my pants. Just because the inside, like when I go, it's weird because like when I'm driving and I hit bumps, it doesn't hurt, but literally the inside of me moves. And it's the weirdest feeling in the world. Because it's the stitches or you feel... I feel like it's moving. Like it's not healed in place properly yet. Oh, okay. So every bump, it's like inside moves and it just feels so weird. It's just so uncomfortable. How much inches of your um, small intestines did they remove? 40 centimeters. 40 centimeters? So like 15 inches, yeah. Maybe 15 inches in there kind of gives you a little bit more wiggle room. I don't know. Probably, dude. But I, w- I would hope everything like grows back to it's like where it was. And not to mention, dude, I got an infection too. Where they had to pull two staples out early. I think I had 19 total staples, and they pulled two of them out because it got a little bit red, and my the trauma surgeon actually like squeezed my skin together, and it popped, and all that pus came out. Uh, so now I'm packing with iodoform right now, and I'm just covering it. But the, those that are not nurses that are actually wondering what kind of procedure Peter actually had, so he had an ischemic bowel, right? So you're your bowels were technically dying from the inside. And what happens mm. with an ischemic bowel, the cells around it keep on dying. So it's like this domino effect that if you don't heal it in time, your bowel just keeps on dying and they got to cut more. Mm. And they had to cut Peter down right down the middle, take out his bowel. I think the surgeon literally like, kind of takes a look at like Everything, how yeah. your bowel looks. And then they got to cut one side and the other side of you know healthy tissue and then get rid of the dead. And basically just connect them back up, yeah. suture him. Yeah, I them them together. So they basically burn them and they combine them. Yeah. Melt them together. And then from there, it's like you just got repacked. Your guts just went back in your freaking stomach, which is crazy. So your intestines were taken out. Yeah, dude. Plus, they had to clean them and everything. So, yeah, they took out everything, man. It's probably it's wild. Yeah, because this is a pretty nasty, nasty scar, dude. This is going to be like a solid, like, maybe 8 to 10 inches, I feel like. Because it's like all the way up here. Like that, yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's gnarly, man. You, yeah. You're gonna definitely have a story when you're on the beach. Yeah, I'm gonna tell somebody I got shot or something. Something cool. So now you just need a freaking lean ass six pack. So you could have a six pack with a giant scar just running down, right? Yeah, it's wild, dude. I lost twenty pounds, man. All that I was stuck at one fifty for such a long time, and I worked out for a solid four months. I got to one sixty, and I got the accident, and now I weigh one forty, which is wild, dude. And it's with with clothes on, so it's like one thirty eight without clothes. He's lost a lot of weight. Yeah. It's in, just in two weeks. Like, it's insane. You also have to take in consideration, you got, like, your bowel removed. So you're going to be a little bit lighter, technically. Yeah, but in a way, you, but that's not a lot. How heavy are your bowels? You know, it's probably not the heaviest. Like a pound, maybe. I think so. I'm just eyeballing uh, a lot of it. I'll probably look. But pound, it's still a... I'll take that pound, but... Yeah, like, the, that's the thing is, like, movement. Like, I've been through movement issues before with sciatica, so I know how that pain feels like. And getting my strength back at movement, that's not the issue. It's just the being patient and letting this heal. And not trying to do too much in the beginning or like in, in general because like if this doesn't, doesn't heal properly, then this is going to delay everything. And I'm not very patient. Like I've told my multiple times, I'm not a very patient individual. And like this, and like me, I feel like I, I need to have control. And this is one thing that I can't have, I don't have control of, you know, because this has to heal without any of my kind of input. Is my body doing its thing. Like it's not like a, like sciatica where you can kind of stretch, you can move around, you can get a chiropractor, have them crack you, do all these exercises and kind of decompress your spine that you could you, yeah you could do but this i can't like i can't like mentally piece myself back together yeah you know thing like things like that and me being a patient it sucks because like this is gonna take as much time as it needs 
nothing I could do to make it quicker, nothing I could do to, I mean, I could slow it down, but I can't make it quicker, you know? Yeah. And plus antibiotics, I'm fishing my last dose of antibiotics today. I got to take them like a little bit. So, so it, it almost feels like in order to be content with the process, right? You just have to slow yourself down. You have to tell yourself, hey, Pete, you know, I just need to take eight weeks to myself and so be it. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, you have to just mentally just, damn, that's crazy, man. That's no. gonna, it's, it's gonna, you're going to come out pretty cool out of this. Yeah. Maybe you're going to be a changed man. Maybe I won't recognize you. Maybe. I Maybe mean, I'll I, grow a mustache. I recognize myself. Like when I look at pictures of how I used to look compared to like how I look in the mirror now, it's just, I, mean, I feel a little skeleton. Like even looking at my thighs, dude, it's like, well, you're making all, my thighs. All, all those squats for nothing. You're, you're making my thighs look thick, man. I know. That's what I'm saying, dude. All that endurance that I worked so hard for. But it's okay because like I, I know how I know the, I know the form right now because I've done it before. So yeah. and, and now you're going to have such a crazy mental game that you're going to go in there so freaking concentrated and ambitious that you're just going to like kill it, man. Yeah. So hopefully. How does it feel like being on the other side? Like like if you're if there's nurses listening, like what do you think they would say? Like, what would you, what would be a takeaway for you as a nurse now, like going through all this shit that maybe nurses don't have because they never mm-hmm. had surgery? I feel like I'm a pretty unique patient. I probably press the call, like, so it's the hospital for a week. I probably press the call, like, maybe, like, once a day, if, if that even. Wow. Just because I don't need much, like, I can't do anything for the pain because I can't take my medication, so it's, like, whatever. And they allow me to walk whenever I wanted to. So that's I was, nice. So that's, that's very nice, yeah. So I didn't really, I wasn't really that, that needy, but... Probably like the biggest takeaway is like these patients that are, are in the hospital for a long time, like it's probably better off checking them like more often than not, you know, especially now with no visitors. Not that I'm saying that I was, I mean, yeah, I was fucking lonely, dude. I was lonely in pain. Like it sucked. I couldn't do, do anything. Not necessarily that like I didn't really need a nurse to come in and like, you know, say, hey, how you doing or anything like that. But I could definitely imagine some people definitely need that kind of little bit of a, uh, like a, like a hello, seeing a, an, another face besides them. Yeah. Because the nurses would probably, I probably see the nurse two or three times a shift. You know? Yeah, it's not much. So the thing, of, like, the thing about a patient is they're there for, for like a week and no vision, no no nothing. And he sees one per, same person three times a day and that's it. That's his, that, that's it for socializing. Like, you know, um, yeah, like for me, I'm, I'm younger, but I can imagine if somebody was older having the same procedure with a different mindset. Yeah, depression, for sure, dude. Yeah. I was for sure like depressed for a solid like three days in the hospital because I even contemplated like would I, would I have even been better dead than going through this. I mean, obviously not, but when you're so much the pain, pain was that bad. When you're so much pain and so much the discom- discomfort that and that's like the thoughts that go through your head. So yeah, so my biggest takeaways is like go check on your patients like you know more more often than than probably normally do. Just even just just to say hi because you know, like I said, I can imagine somebody somebody older. The only chance socializing, especially because a lot of old people don't even have like FaceTime. They can't even see anybody else. There's no, they don't have Zoom download. They don't have, you know, Skype or anything like that. So they don't see anybody. So I'm just popping. Especially like, you know, now that we have, I don't want to even say the C word anymore, that viral ass infection around the world. Like we literally put people like in fish bowls. Mm-hmm. When we're in the ICU and we have a bunch of pumps that are manage- managing outside of the room, that patient is literally like facing us because we have to bring them close enough to the door and they're looking like, the, the inside out. It's like a fishbowl. So if you're in isolation, like you feel lonely a lot more because mm-hmm. people are coming in with these masks and like gowned up and you're like some like alien. So imagine the loneliness and the separation you feel from humans there, oh, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, I guess what two good things that I got out of this is I'm COVID negative and I'm all positive blood type. I'm glad we're COVID negative because we went to the bars out there. 
prior. Like, yeah. It's funny because like I, I wish you mentioned whoop, but like my recovery during that day was like three percent because I haven't got drunk in such a long time the night before, so I was hungover mm-hmm. as shit. And then I had to like just like outperform. Like my strain that day was like through the roof, man. Yeah, Going through all that, man. Like average heart rate was just insane mm. the whole entire day. Yeah, it's kind of like to go for those runs in the morning. Yeah, he's, he's up pretty early. And he's active now. He's probably the most active that I've, I've ever seen him. I've known him for a few years. But yeah, dude, this whoop band definitely. I'm curious on how my recovery's gonna be with the, with this whoop. It's still. Yesterday was like forty percent. Day before was like sixteen, and then I was like twenty two. So, but that's that's normal because I can't fall. I could. It's hard to fall asleep. So sleeping is your issue right now, yeah. right? Yeah, last night was probably the best night. I feel like each night gets a little bit better. But yeah, when I was in the hospital, so you guys know how when you're like you're sleeping, dozing off, and you jerk yourself awake, that was happening for literally like two or three nights straight. I had like this fear and anxiety of falling asleep. That my my body and my mind were in such a a loop that they thought or I thought when uh, I would fall asleep, I wouldn't wake up. Damn. So I would doze off for like an hour, and I would jerk myself awake. And that would happen for like two or three nights straight, and that was just unbearable because I was physically drained, physically tired. Like I needed sleep. I wanted to sleep. Like my whole body was so exhausted. It just wouldn't fall asleep. Wow. Yeah. And then after that, you know, it wasn't dealt with. It just, it just went away. I had like those, the visions of like it happening over again, the reruns, the flashbacks, like why did I do this? What could I have done else to prevent this? Like why did this happen? And then I kept seeing myself fall again with the pain that was keeping me up. But, um, but now it's better. It's getting a little better. Like when I first night that I came back, when you came over with uh, Bar and Conrad, or, no Bar, I don't think Bar was here. It was Conrad and Luke. Like when you guys left, I barely slept. Like I had the thought that was engraved in my head was if I go to sleep, I won't wake up. That's creepy. That was just engraved in my head, and that's like I knew that I would be awake the next day, but even my like my heart was racing. Every time I was hard to fall yeah. asleep, it was, I was that scared for some reason. It, it's crazy because your because bo- technically your body and your mind are two separate organisms, right? So your body was literally programmed from that trauma. You know how people have trauma; they re- they're reliving that moment, they're feeling it. Same thing happened with you. Your body is reliving that, yeah. and it's telling your mind that it's crazy. It's like it's like your body was having a mind of its own. Yeah. And now you're kind of like just slowly unwinding and giving it a break, right? Right. And logically, I know it's not gonna happen, but that thought is just so strong and that feelings are so strong where it just causes your, you know, your heart to be faster, your heart to sweat. Dude, my sheets were like probably so sweaty after that night. Like it was, like I probably slept like three or four hours and then like for some reason my sister came over later that night, I slept better. But I don't know, I had like that, like I wouldn't, like logically I knew it's not gonna happen but my mind was programmed so hard and even it had, had me respond with my heart and my breathing, you know, yeah. was, was elevated and everything because that thought I was going to die for some reason. And that's why you're having such bad recoveries on the whoop because yeah. you're just not getting quality sleep. Like, I wonder what your sleep disturbances are. A lot higher than usual. It was only nine. Okay. But like it said, I was in 10 hours in bed and it comes for six hours, but my recovery is like 38%. Okay. Because it's just like, like maybe I don't get disturbed where I wake up. But maybe like me just turning around, it disturbs my body enough with the, with my insides with that the, it'll raise my heart rate for that, you know, okay. a few seconds or whatever. That's probably what's going on with dope. That's probably why I'm sensing that I'm not recovering well because every time I turn, I probably either wake up and I remember waking up or it's just enough to kind of startle my, my body and kind yeah. of rev up my heart rate. I'm thinking so. We'll make an experiment on you and yeah. for next week's episode, we'll mention it. I wonder if when you get your staples removed because you said they're bothering you so much. I feel like I'm constricted, yeah. You're constricted. I wonder 
is all your stats going to improve, like your body after the staples are removed? Because they're bothering you so much right now. Yeah, not, they're not bothering me, bothering me, they're physically in, but I just feel like there's something there that's making me concave. Yeah, yeah, and you can't like, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm even walking straight. Yeah, I noticed your posture, yeah. Yeah, like when I sit like this for a long time, then like you could, when I stand up, you could see I'm kind of like, like your shoulders up, roll up. But when bit. I sleep, I sleep flat on my back or on my sides, and that's not an issue when I wake up in the morning, but when I sit this for a long time, where I'm constricted like this and these staples are still holding on, it's, it's a lot harder for me to straighten myself up when I stand up. And I feel like it's just this. I feel like, like it's still holding my, holding my muscles together. So I feel like it's going to be a little better. Even my buddy told me when he had a knee surgery and he had staples, once he took out the staples, he felt like he was able to move it better. Interesting. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I, see, I never had that because I had um, a laparoscopic procedure when mm -hmm. I got my appendix taken out. So I just had surgical glue because I just had a laparotomy. Yeah. I just needed those three incisions. I was wondering why they give me surgical glue because for our cardiac surgeries we do surgical glue, down the sternum. But then when I think about it, like you move your abdomen a lot more than you move your fucking sternum and your and like your plus, plus your if chest. you cough, yeah, yeah, you definitely move this a lot more and definitely you, you know when you eat it blows blows up and then goes down. I mean even though when you breathe, yeah, but like just movement, like your core, you move your core so much. Yeah, I don't think surgical glue yeah. would work. Maybe like the little bit ones for like your lap. It makes sense because any bowel. You know, belly surgery. I see, mm. they always do the um the sutures for that. Yeah, dude. But yeah, they, I mean, they pulled two staples that were infected, and the doctor said that the fluid coming out of it now, is is fine. So I'm should be concerned. So yeah, so when I saw my doctor today, that's it's about. I feel like I knew what was going on more than him. I feel like he was more curious on. Oh, that was actually a good story. You should you should explain it. You went to a doctor today. Yeah, right? so I saw my doctor. My primary, cause my primary wasn't available till like July third. I'm not gonna wait, July third to see a doctor. You know, so um. I saw another one of his group and like I felt like I knew more of the treatment to do and treatment modalities and what exactly going on than him because he was just curious on like what happened like hey so um what did you gotta do he was kind of like telling like asked me like, like so what do you gotta do now like when I showed him showed him this like initially when I came up and I asked him like hey can you move my stitches he's like yeah we can move them and I showed him the stitches he's like all right well I think of a surgeon downstairs because he was in the beginning, he was confident. Like, yeah, he probably thought I was like maybe two or three stitches yeah. that, we, that we gotta do. When I showed him, I had like fourteen down my midsection and two on the side. He's probably like, "Oh shit, this is kind of more than I expected." So he's like, "Yeah, we got a surgeon down downstairs, so he should be able to remove them tomorrow for you." So I'm like, "Okay," and then uh, I'm like, "Do you guys have a staple remover?" He's like, "Yeah, we should." He's like, "Do you have a sterile one?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a nurse. I have my own sterile one." He's like, "All right, well, bring just in case we, we don't that's, have that's one." That's funny, man. So I was like, "All right," and then. Um, and then he was asking me like these little questions. He, when I showed him my 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 uh, my wound that I have, because I'm packing with iodoform, he's like, he thought it was a drain. He's like, when did they tell you you can move that drain? I was like, Doc, I've been changing this twice a day. He's like, Oh, you've been changing the tissue stuff twice a day? I'm like, Yeah, I've been packing it with you know the sterocontip applicator. I've just been you know tunneling it in there just to make sure it heals right. He's like, Yeah, okay, okay, cool, good, good. He thought it was a freaking drain, so funny. Yeah. And then I asked him if, because before I took out the dressing, I was like, Hey, do you guys have um, ABD, Metapore tape, so I can redo my dressing when when I take it off. It's like, yeah, we do, we do. They did it. I, I got four pieces of gauze and paper tape. Oh my gosh. Yeah, after we, which I was like, whatever, no, no, no big deal, dude. Good thing I didn't pull out the the iodoform because then I wouldn't have anything to pack Nothing it with. To pack it. I had it in my car, but what am I gonna walk out with a hole in my my stomach? Why are you packing it? Because the surgeon pushed some pus out. So of yeah, it? so there was an effect. So he pushed some pus out. So f to make sure it heals from like the outside or from the inside out. I put the outer form there so the tissue that doesn't grow and cause like an abscess or like that doesn't like properly grow from the outside or from the inside out, basically. For those that are wondering 
what kind of medications did you leave the hospital with and what were you taking after this kind of, you know, belly procedure? Um, antibiotics for a week because, like I said, I had an, had an infection. Um, the, the expiratory, or not expiratory, but they're, it's already done with antibiotics. Then um, oxycodone, fives, and then um, ibuprofen, I think, 600s. And that's really it. I was debating if I should ask my, my doctor for, like, an ambience to help me sleep. But then I'm like, you know, I've been sleeping slow. Slowly I'm sleeping better. I don't want to get into any kind of, Plus like... Plus, it's a benzo, man. And yeah, might, you might get way too dependent on it. Yeah, even, like, something like that. Even, like, those, those oxys that I have, I am hesitant to take, maybe. I probably... They gave me, like, 20 pills or something. I've probably had, like, four so far. Um, yeah. yeah, like, I, I mean... I, w- I didn't take a medication in the hospital, so I could probably deal with deal with this, but... Helps you sleep. Yeah, probably. but... Um, yeah, like a couple of days ago where I couldn't really sleep that good, I took like two. Didn't do anything, dude. Still fucking wide awake, but... Yeah, not the purpose of the pain... The, medication. the purpose of pain medication is for pain, not for sleep. But, you know, since it's a depressant, it slows you down and it kind of... It'll makes help you, a little you fall asleep, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to take any kind of more more, more medication, but... It was so, so we'll see. Okay, my staples removed. Probably a cool scar. Like, the only thing is now is hopefully that heals properly the hole. Because it's probably, like, maybe one half, two inches underneath my skin that still has to heal. You know what I think you should do? What? I think on Instagram you should make a post of just, like, when those sutures are taken out with you just, like, flexing like this. Oh, chill, dude. And then make just, like, progress for yourself and hold yourself accountable oh, yeah. to just, like, get into the best physical shape of your life. But yeah. you have to start at day one. Yeah. So you should take that photo and you should, it'd be cool to see that process. Yeah. I want to be able to like lift and stuff and work out or like at least like stretch, but now I have that hole. So once those staples pull out, like that hole has to heal too because I can't like probably do any crazy stretches because I, of that. I would do the full eight weeks, man. Like you're going to be eager to start doing things, but yeah. that bowel surgery, the amount of, you know, the length that they cut, it's better to do a full recovery, man. Especially your core, dude. You're very prone to hernias. So if you rush it, and I should, we, you know, I'm an expert at hernias now. Um, you should be, you, you, you can develop hernias a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And you might not notice it, but you're going to notice it in two years. And you already started the hernia by not being patient and waiting the two months. Right. Yeah, I'll probably just wait. I'll wait at least six weeks. Yeah, I could recover quickly. Because that's what they said. I, I healed very nicely. Like, you must have been healthy individual because you're actually healing better than I expected. And I got a fucking there infection. You go. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's basically what I have. If you guys have any more questions, feel free to ask us. I'm down to share more with you. I'll probably make a YouTube video once I feel better about the whole process, touch upon everything, maybe some tips for whoever is going to have bar procedure in the future. There you go. So, and you had an NG too, man. Oh, yeah. Freaking. I think like a boss, dude. No cough, no nothing. I just, I'm like, you ready? They got they got the big one. I'm not sure what size bore it was. 16 gauge, man. Dude, all the way down to like, they're like, damn, you took like a champ. I'm like, Oh, it's a 12 French, I'm sorry. I put usually 12 or 14 French. Okay. Yeah, I don't know which one this was, but I have a picture of it. But, man, it was fucking wild. I feel like a champ. No fucking lie. I feel like a champ. There's two nurses in there. One was pulling my head, and I just, like, put it down there. Swallowed, 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 swallowed. And they're like, oh, you didn't move. I'm like... <laughs> you didn't even move, yeah. she said. I'm like, fucking trust me. Do anything to get rid of this fucking pain, dude. At this point, you were going through so much, right? Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, it was wild. But, yeah. I mean, like I said, it could have been a lot worse. I'll just be thankful that I'm thankful that I'm alive and just have, I'm, I'm excited to like pull some David Goggins recovery you're gonna here. do it I believe in you man yeah. so guys thank you for listening we'll see you guys next week we'll keep you guys posted on PD's recovery thanks guys peace out